A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Red Men podcast. The uh, the season is is it technically underway? The Reds are back in training. The smiles on our faces. There was that, that football tournament. Let's go! <laughs> the football tournament that was going on is no more. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about it um, interspersed throughout the podcast, of course, because it's quite big and all that. But yeah, largely we're going to be talking about Liverpool, the players that are back, the players are there over in Austria right now, the fixtures that Liverpool have announced that they will be playing, and um, what that could all mean for our lives in the coming weeks. Some months. Uh, we have got some kickoff questions that I have for my guests. Uh, as I am Paul Mason, Chris Pajax here, and Jay Pearson is here in the studio as well. Hi, Jay. Hi. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, no problem. Let's get back together. Yeah. <laughs> um, the first kickoff question comes from uh, W32 says, Would you rather be half your height or twice your weight, Chris Pajax? Well, I'm assuming, right, that if you're okay. half my height, you know, I'm also not losing any weight. Uh-huh. So that wouldn't be great, which is basically just be a really short version of the other one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as far as scale goes, yeah. the scale isn't really changing as such. Yeah. Which made it an interesting decision to make. And then I just went, you know what? If I'm just looking stupid regardless, I may as well at least be better at hide and seek. So I'm going with the smaller one. Nice. Nice. I don't know that makes cool. But yeah, okay, cool. No, that's fine. So, I also imagine that like the ki- I could join in the kids' game of like Frozen or something. I can be one of those little rock things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. You could like do it. that cannonball thing that the kid in Hook does. Oh, always, well. mate. You know, I like to talk about that as <laughs> yeah. a glorious. I'm doing it in Skull Lane Park. Yeah, absolutely. What a film. Uh, Jay, um, uh, half your height or twice your weight? Well, I think I'm quite small anyway, mate. So I'll probably go with the weight. Yeah, I would because I can probably lose that. Yeah, you know, I'd have an effort. You know, I'd just have an effort of trying to lose it, but I can't grow anymore. Yeah, I, I, I uh, like three foot. I know, I'm two's <laughs> pretty, pretty short. It's pretty, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not as short as like I don't know, two and a half. No, no, like, no, 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 yeah, yeah. So yeah. wait, I'm still, but like you're, you're right. You're entering into the world of specialist. Things like in both areas, well, really, yeah, you know, bigger went, beds, yeah, more. more you might just on fill a, you might fill a door frame, yeah, which yeah. wouldn't be great. Plenty yeah. of leg room on the plane, but uh, yeah, but I could, <laughs> but also I can like I can still reach things, which is obviously a, a, a major benefit in in life. That's <laughs> true. But then you don't want to be really short, really fat, and have to carry a little step ladder around everywhere you went, do you? It's true. No. no. It's a consideration. Darren Seaton says, um, just to bring things right back to football, um, <laughs> would people go, oh, fucking, what are they doing? Fucking non football things again. <laughs> Boring. It's pre season. There'll be plenty of serious topics to follow. <laughs> um, Darren Seaton at CT on Twitter says, uh, would you have had Hendo on your first five pen takers? Uh, even just from an experienced head POV. I have to start this, Chris, with the fact that I was. I'm gutted because look, if 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 Hendo would have had a penalty and he'd scored it and England would have won, then that'd be brilliant for Jordan Henderson. But also for my nerves, there was a little part of me when he was taken off was like, at least I don't have to deal with a world where if the worst happens, Jordan Henderson gets vilified by an entire nation. And we're going to come on and talk about some of that stuff that's happened off the back. But Hendo would have taken one. And I wonder whether... I saw a comment saying... Maybe Southgate almost like protected him from himself because there's no way Jordan wouldn't have offered himself up for the five, but he's not great at penalties. No, and I saw something where you look at the stats of how many actual penalties 
these lads have all taken. And, you know, Harry Kane far and above 40 plus penalties and stuff. I think Rashford was on 15. The rest are all single digits, lots of them lower than five. Doesn't include shootouts and stuff like that, but there wasn't, the squad wasn't full of penalty takers. Henderson's not a penalty taker, really, anyway. Um, I have a lot of trust in Jordan and I trust that he'd be able to get it over the line when it matters. The one he missed obviously a few weeks ago, friendly, different type of thing with the pressure of actually taking a penalty in the European final. I mean, it's madness really when you think about it. But I was the same as you, Paul. I didn't want him coming home because my first thoughts are all Liverpool and that can have a hangover into the Premier League season. So for me, it was like, well, if he misses one and he starts his head in the wrong place for Liverpool, that's bad, don't yeah. take one. And if I was England manager and also just happened, like in, like in football manager, save to be the Liverpool manager, and if football manager mattered that much where the mindset came in, I probably wouldn't have him taking a penalty. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, but I said it's one of the reasons why I got a little bit, it took me a while to warm to the to it, but I got, I was fine. I found myself more fine with it than I would have been because I didn't have so many Liverpool players involved, which normally buys me in great better to the yeah. team as the tournament. But also there's that fear factor, you know, you know, Christian, someone when Gerard missed the penalty in 2006. Oh, that's a story. <laughs> because someone said Gerard was to blame for England getting, getting knocked out. These are all the added stresses yeah. and strains that come with it. Um, it's, it's easy to say now, isn't it, when you see that a teenage kid got left with the, the nation's weight on his entirely on his shoulders, that Jordan Henderson, I think, would be better placed if he, to, to miss that. Because yeah. I think he, I think he'd be less asked. It, absolutely, absolutely. I'm oh, credit to Saka for having a go. Do you know what mm. I mean? I think back what I was doing at 19. There's no way I had any it's not of those pressures. On this podcast, yeah, absolutely it? not. It's not shareable on this podcast. No. Um, but fair play to him. Fair play to anybody who steps up in that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I now not to go on about too much because I agree with both what you said. You know, the pressure of a, a Liverpool player missing is not something you want as a Liverpool supporter. But also as well, like you said, there is that little bit of relief. But again, I what Chris said, I reckon if, if Endo had took one, you know, he could have handled the pressure. The one thing about it, and maybe it plays in, plays in his favour, and now bearing in mind, he took, he took one in the warm-up games and missed, so this doesn't necessarily yeah. buy into that. But Jordan strikes me as someone who just would have walked up and wellied it. And I think that was the way to score the penalties past on a rumour, where it's quite clearly... He, he was prepared for everyone to take those really mm. slow stuttered run-ups, trying to wait for him to commit. Yeah. And he, he psychologically won the game, where I think Jordan just walks up and toes it into there a corner. A, there was something where a commentator said in one of the, I can't remember if it was the quarters or the semis, in one of the penalty shootouts, where a commentator said, why don't they just run up? Why did he walk up to the line? Like, it was, that's when the pressure builds. Mm. Like, just pick the ball up and run to the penalty spot and just take it. Because it's that walk in it, like, it's 30 seconds. And, and, it's madness. I was like, yeah. that's such a great point. Why don't why don't people do that? Because that's when it gets into your head. That's when you start looking at how big Donna Rummer is in the goal, and you know you see the keepers moving around and stuff like that. And it's just that's when the pressure builds. Get up there, take the penalty. Jordan would have done that. I don't think he'd have ran up because no one does that. But he'd have get up there. He wouldn't look at the goalkeeper. He'd pick a spot and he'd just swat it. And if the keeper saves it, the keeper saves it. Yeah. That's that's the way it is. As long as you hit a good penalty where you want to hit it, you can't do much more. It's true that. I like the psychological thing that you both mentioned because the best do it, you know, look at Ronaldo in the Champions League final for United. He did a stuttering run and he missed. And obviously, he went on to win the trophy anyway. But then you look at changing your mind. I think you're right. If Hendo had obviously missed in the, the friendly, he would have just wellied it because look at Risa. Tries to place one in Istanbul, misses. A year later, he's up again in the FA Cup final. No one told him. Either only knew how to dive one way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but this is. But the, then yeah. he wellies it the following year, doesn't he? Puts it in the back of net. He's like, I'm not making that mistake again. Yeah, exactly. So. That's it. And, and that, but the thing is, it's meant to be that that sort of run up has become the the go to thing because yeah. go, it, it works on goalies who who themselves have to move earlier now because they've limited what goalies can do on the line. Whereas I think they were given a bit more leeway keepers to move around. I don't know if they changed the mandate ahead of the tour. But goalies were definitely more mobile in the build in the, in the, in the, yeah. in the run. And of course, I say Donnarumma is massive, so you've very much got it in your head that if I don't get this perfect, he's probably going to get something. There's a to difference, it. Yeah. isn't there? You you know this, Paul, as an ex-goalkeeper. When you're that tall, you can reach the corners without having to go early. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that plays into it. Whereas Pickford has to sort of move around, and they all did a great job of keeping the feet behind the yeah. line and on the line. They, really they've well. all changed the technique. We spoke about this the other week. But when you're Donnarumma, you can go late. 
because only what something into the bottom corner is going to beat you. When you Pickford, you're a little bit shorter. You have to go that little bit earlier. You mm. have to dive forwards. Yeah. You didn't have to do that. Don't know, man. Massive. Um, the, the bottle from Donnarumma to just stand there yeah. and go quit. Yeah. What are you After doing? You. I'm not going. But look, look, here's the thing, it's right? Chicken. You know, we're, we're obviously talking about it. One of the best penalty takers in the world, whether you like his technique or not, is Jorginho. He missed. Yeah. That was a great save. And he's used it? to that pressure. Mm-hmm. So some of the best penalty takers, you know, Roberto Baggio going back years and mm. years, one of the best penalty takers, one of the best players in the world at the time, missed the pressure. And, and it's not just the pressure. Sometimes you can just miss kick it. Mm. Like Rashford's penalty for me had a higher chance of missing than anyone else because he wasn't looking at the ball. Mm. But that's the way he takes penalties. Yeah. He's probably better than me if I was to not look at the ball because I've never kicked the ball without not look, without not yeah. looking at it before. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like, eye on it, like yeah. trying to make sure it's and, there. Like, you know and there's someone who'd never change gear without looking at his clutch pedal, which is funny. Like, um, dangerous oh. way to drive that. The um, yeah, no, it's it's it again. It would have been nice to see Hendo take one because it would have been nice to see him take the plaudits. And as I say, ultimately, I think he's at that stage of his career. You can see how much he's prepared to put his name and his face to mm. things that most people are scared to. Because they just they don't want to they don't want to face the backlash. I think he probably could have handled any negativity had yeah. he been the one who, who missed it, which is a shame because again it boils down. Look, it boils down to the manager and the manager held his hand up. Yes. you know, he, and he said, you know, I picked the lads who were dead good at penalties and training. That's what I did. If it works again, you look like a genius, and if it doesn't, you look stupid. But that's it. Yeah. That's well, the job, only time he'd be able to change that because that's the obvious thing that you're going to do as, as the England manager. You're going to look at the ones who are doing it in training. Yeah, there's no pressure. So then, what do you look at? Well, who's taking penalties in real life in mm. big game situations? If you'd had five penalty takers in the squad who do it regularly, you'd go with them of course. because they've got to. But when you don't, you've got to go with the ones who do it in training because there's no real world experience to draw from. It's mad. It's mad. Look how many, many centre halves took penalties in that two. Maguire's was the best yeah. penalty of the lot. Yeah, broke the camera. Broke the camera. Fantastic, wasn't it? Perfect. Yeah, the one limited credit. I find myself giving limited credit to Man United players. Harry Maguire's penalty was immense. Immense. Right. Okay, we're going to get things back on to Liverpool track momentarily. But first, we have got an exclusive interview with Liverpool manager. Jürgen Klopp streaming right now on the redmentv.com. There's going to be a big chunk of it going out um, this weekend for you guys on YouTube. But if you want the full thing, here's a little sneak peek right now. Chelsea Man City game. You guys go to Formby Hall. Um, what, are you, what are your sort of memories of, the, of that being arranged and, and, and that night itself, if you can actually remember anything from the night? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have quite... But on that night, I have good memories. So, um, so we won our game, obviously, and every next day is... Um, could be um, a decisive day, and um, so I really wanted it. Was it's so strange, and you you don't know. Nobody plans a, 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 a trophy celebration without anybody around. You don't know it. We are a bit superstitious, so you don't say four weeks beforehand and we will do this and that and that. It's always kind of spontaneous, which is completely fine. So I decided that day. Okay, tomorrow we go to Formby Hall. We book all the rooms again, uh, which we had anyway most of the time because of when we played the games, we had to go there as well. Um, let's have let's look to watch the first game. I forgot what was the first game, but it was the other game before that that night, and then watch the Chelsea Man City game. And honestly, it's not my favorite way to 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 become champion, but it was a good one. It was completely fine, to be honest, much better than I would have expected, and um, it was absolutely great. So sitting there, and and it was clear now with the win the day before, it was clear we will be champion. So even I knew then it will happen, but we wanted to happen. We wanted it to happen now in this moment, and it was great. So it was really nail biting and stuff like this, and the, the goal and penalty, no goal and a penalty, red card and all these kind of things was involved. Absolutely outstanding night, um, and we made the best of it. To be honest, we made absolutely the best of it. It's a, a night I will never forget in my life, uh, which. I'm 53, I had a few nights, so it means, and I forgot most of them, so that means something. Hey, welcome back. Yes, Jürgen Klopp um, is fully streaming right now on the RedmenTV.com. Go and sign up. Uh, we're talking about the life and times of Mr. Jordan Henderson. Some great insight into Liverpool's title celebrations um, and going all the way back to things like Barcelona, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Really, really, really good stuff. It's part of our Jordan Henderson 10 Years of Red documentary series, which again, all episodes streaming right now on the platform. Um, yeah, it's really, really good. You, you can, can see that it's the real Jürgen yeah, Klopp as well, the one that wears glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah not the <laughs> fake imposter. I think he's done that just because <laughs> of that guy, yeah. the, the impersonator walking yeah. around. <laughs> 
I hope that he can't afford laser eye surgery as well. <laughs> yeah, he was like, right, I'm having it done. Well, he can't afford Liverpool tracky bottoms, I've noticed. <laughs> oh, he had, yeah, like, some, yeah, some Jag, some Jag Sports Direct ones. One was washing them. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Covered in beer from the uh, from Wembley way. Um, yes, yeah, just that. There will be a, a bigger section of that coming out for free on YouTube. If you're undecided, then hang on for that. Watch that. And then again, go and subscribe to the RevenantTV.com to watch the full thing. Right. Uh, yeah, let's dive into it then. The Liverpool squad is back in training. We're all made up to see... Jürgen, laser eye surgery Jürgen, which is mad. Um, Anyone on the YouTube channel and see if there's any training videos? There's not. No. Really disappointing. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be, there'll, be that, there'll be the inside training video, which I always find. What a lovely place to train really as well. Really dull. Um, Stunning. Yeah. Yeah. Stunning again. Yeah, no, they Much better than Kirby. Much better than Kirby. Less windy. Um, yeah, so uh, of the squad, they're out there. I won't read them. Everyone should know by now. You can check out our Twitter account if you want to see the full names. But there are some really interesting ones in there as well. Um, I just wonder, we had, a, we had a bit of a chat about this last week without knowing the names, but is anyone in there that you're particularly excited to see, Jay? Oh, it's the obvious one, though. Our new number five. Mm. for obvious reasons the the fact that you know he looks stunning in that new away kit by the way just gonna throw that out there you know there's the away kit plug i've just done um yeah i I just so excited to have him as part of the squad now and the fact that you know virgil hasn't been to the euros unfortunately for him but now that they can get a really good understanding together i think that's really important that's not to say that gomez or matip isn't going to be the first choice as well i just think from an embedding in period that's fantastic and i saw a, a lovely tweet yesterday about the size of all our centre abs and Fabinho and how tall they are. I'm like, oh, it's quite intimidating. So yeah, really excited for, for Canate. Well, it was the, seeing the Canate, little Canate clip of Jürgen Klopp putting his arm around him and he's, he towers over yeah. Jürgen. He's, he's, he's just amazing. Like, just and that, but that's a massive thing, isn't it? Because we, we, you know, Paul Tompkins did a big thing about this last season. About how one of the, one of the many reasons why we were a bit crap when we really struggled, we just lost all of our height. You're losing Virgil, you're losing Matip. Yeah. We became so aerially vulnerable. And it's my you don't it's like anything, you don't notice it when you've got it. Mm. You'd only notice it in its absence. Yeah, the physicality is a big thing of what Klopp built into the side over the cu- couple of years prior to us hitting our height, as it were. And, and that's massive, isn't it? You're six foot four, Canate. Obviously, we know how tall Virgil van Dijk is, Joel Matip as well. Fabinho in front of it makes it almost impossible to get the ball over the head. It shouldn't. I always say this, it really shouldn't. It's as much to do with the positioning as the height of the players. Mm. Fabinho's position is better than everybody else. But if you've got positioning plus height. Plus height, yeah, it's a, it's a hard thing to replicate. Isn't it? You know, so for me, that's massive. The big one for me though is is Virgil, and I said this a couple of weeks ago. It's how he comes back because that's the most important piece of the puzzle for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to make sure that he's all right. He can get through this sort of um, pre-season. <laughs> Sorry, you missed me, Gavel. I said to the lads, I'm going to try and use an invisible gavel at some point, like fucking Boris Johnson, the Divi does. And I did it completely the wrong point, which actually perfectly replicates what Boris Johnson does with his um, (laughs) gavel. Um, So, yeah. You got his intonation right. That was good. With his gavel. Right, yeah. Words in the string. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking at some of the, the extra bits and pieces. For me, right, it just, I, it's, it's going to be great to see Virgil. It's great to see the new mm. signing always because I just I've got no real sense of Canate to be honest. So you know, I want to I want to get yeah. I want to get that. But I like that. You know, we always talk about this every year. It's why we Danny Pacheco is a joke. We all know what we mean when we say Danny yeah. Pacheco. And for those of you maybe a bit too young or too old or maybe whatever, Danny Pacheco is the notion of a young superstar with all our hopes pinned on him yeah. who does really well in pre-season but doesn't quite, doesn't quite make it. But it doesn't mean you can't not have those pre-seasons. You'll all, we'll, all, we'll always have the pre-seasons, Danny. Yeah. Suzo was a bit like that as well. Um, Christine Nemeth. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> we have a bunch of them and I look at some of those names there and I think the good thing is a couple of them are bit younger but uh Mateusz Muslowski, Kate Gordon as well obviously only joined in in, in January yeah. from Derby he's another one with, with with very high hopes there's been a lot of talk about Connor Bradley being able to step up as an understudy at, at right back as well and Billy Cometio on the centre-back thing uh Jay kind of gone off the radar this time last year we were talking about him being Liverpool's fourth choice centre-half yeah. and it you know apart from a very brief cameo away uh in the latter stage of the Champions League last season mm. we didn't get to we didn't really get to no. see that be interested to know whether he should come along or is he another 
kind of like over your jar here where he looks like he's got it and then you realise he's not he's not kind mm. of progressed behind the scenes. Well, he's still here, which is always a good point. You know, there hasn't been ben, anything. Ben Woodburn's on this list as well. Okay, I'll be quiet now. Is he seventh or eighth choice? Well, that's the question. Is he, is is he, he ahead not? of Ben Davies? Well, that's yeah. the, that, that's why, is it seventh or eighth, I think, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Because you've got the the four big lads that we know about. Uh, then you've got Reese Williams and Nat Phillips at the moment, five and six, and then it's Ben Davies and Cometio, isn't yeah. it, I suppose? Mm. Yeah. Um, well, he's, uh, let's do ben, the Ben Davies stuff because... If he doesn't play in these games, that's right. We just want to see number 28. There's going to be a, a behind closed doors friendly that's not been announced, <laughs> yeah. that's not on telly, and they're going to try and blag that he played because we won't be able to prove otherwise. Is this like when Romario tried to claim he'd scored them like a thousand goals <laughs> or something? Yeah. And he was claiming like backyard, backyard, yeah. backyard finishes. <laughs> Definitely, yeah, yeah, something about Brazilian, something about Brazilian forwards. Um, there's another interesting one here in that sort of same vein for me and that's Chimacash because yeah. we were looking yeah. at Burnley this morning about how many minutes everyone's played during the summer and stuff and Robertson's I, th I think I'm right in saying he played 403 minutes now he's going to have time off Chimacash is going to be in those friendlies he's going to you'd imagine be the starting left back we've not really seen that much of him what can he give What is he going to yeah. give us a sense that there's a player there that's going to be alright when dropped in in terms of fringe players in that squad because look Origi's there I mentioned Ben Woodburn's there Reese Williams is there there's a couple but there's a couple of lads there who like Naby Keita maybe falls into this and maybe a bit of Ox as well to some extent but there's a difference between kids who are just there to make the numbers up and have the experience and they'll become better for just being being around mm. the first team squad, great. You've got a, a couple of lads there who really they're there until the transfer comes. Lars Carius being probably prime example of that, the most obvious example of that. But there's a couple of players who, and Chimacas is probably one of the most senior of these. Where if he has a good preseason, he needs a good preseason because a good preseason sets him up for the season. Harvey Elliott falls into that category in a slightly different way. But you might find, just let's just focus on the Chimacas stuff. You're right, Chris. The the plan was to rotate him in more last season, but that was just hampered by injury. Mm. But we don't know that. We've had this we had this conversation loads at the back end of last season. To most of our minds, we might as well just presume he's crap. Yeah. Because he probably is. Because it's very hard to be good enough to play for Liverpool. You know what I mean yeah. by crap. As long as I hear Costas FNL 2.0, I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he does. He, he needs to have a, a good kickstart to his Liverpool career, really, doesn't he? And this is a perfect opportunity. Uh, I just as... don't know what he is. You know, yeah. the very, very brief glimpses, he looked like he had good forward thrust. He looked like a good attacking forward. He looked Robertson-ish. I, I got just enough glimpses to go, okay, I get what you've tried to mm. buy here I don't feel like this is like a, I don't feel this isn't an Usama Asaidi tal mm. style situation where you've just bought someone who plays a position because I don't think we'd have gone through that negotiation period with Jamal Lewis and whatever last season mm. if they weren't if, if they didn't really True. want him because they committed that money very that was our first signing wasn't it yeah. last, last, last summer it, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's I, I'm, I'm interested yeah I'm just interested to see what he can do and I hope he stays fit because to your point Chris Robertson played more minutes than anyone, mm. and he has—he pretty much has done now for three seasons. We could really do with our our other specialist fullback that we've bought. And he should be up to speed. He should be because he's been training for yeah. so long now that it shouldn't be a six-month adjustment period. Yeah. We should get a real sense of who he is as a footballer by the end of pre-season. And with Robertson going on his break and his holiday, he's going to get two or three appearances easy before yeah. Robertson comes back. Yeah. He's going to get a pre-season under his belt. And he should be at the position where he's trying to put some pressure. I'm not saying he will put pressure on Robertson, but he's trying to put pressure on Robertson. He's trying to show Jürgen that I'm going to be here this season. And when you need me to, put me in the side because Robertson's going to need a break he needed a break at times last season I don't know how he managed to get through but you think back to that first three months of the period everybody every game was saying Robertson's our player of the year so far yeah. and that Christmas period he was goosed and he somehow managed to get his energy levels back up for the running as a lot of the squads somehow managed to do. We need to be able to keep his level at 95, 100% Robertson throughout the year. If that means a game off now and again, that means a game off now and again. Yeah. I want to see him in all those early Champions League games if the draw letters. I want to see him in all the cup games if the draw letters. I want Robertson playing 45 to 50 max. If Shimakas is ready to go, 
then you're playing your first three games of the season. I, I'd have no problems with Chimikas being involved in one of them, or certainly by the time the Champions League rolls around, you've got a big Champions League game in the week, and you've got a, you know, for now, you've got just an opponent. Or you're playing League Cup midweek and you're playing this. Yeah. Andy Robertson doesn't need to play in every competition at all times. I'm not sure that'll be enough for Shimakas because we saw this with, like, let's say, Origi last season as an example. You do need minutes to stay sharp. You know, I, I think if we'd found another couple of games for Origi, that Burnley chance that he rattles off the bar when he's clean to do it, he probably just slots that. Mm. There's a bit of rustiness that comes with it, but I, I'm hope that's the hope because I don't see the point of buying. Spending twelve million pounds on a on a backup fullback when you might as well have gotten someone who can do a couple because you can't play anywhere else. Yeah, it's not like you're getting a centre back out of there. It's not like you're not getting you're getting a defensive midfielder out of there. So no, he's definitely he wouldn't have made the bench as much last season if the rules were seven subs still either. Maybe because no. Klopp always likes to have people of versatile players, and it, and I think like you know there were times when we'd have a left-back, two centre-backs and a right-back on the bench. You look back at Jürgen's squads prior to last season, that never, ever happened. So he wouldn't have even been involved in match days for the most part, I don't think. Mm. I think Milner would have been the option at left-back because he can play in midfield yeah. should the game say to allow for it or something like that. So he's got to be there and he's got to be going. I want 15 appearances minimum this season. Mm. And if 15 is enough to get me a move somewhere else or I enjoy it, then I'll stick around. But he's got to be looking at it and going, I've not played football. He didn't have minutes. Like, like Liverpool weren't good enough to be able to just take Robertson off at times yeah, last true. season. Yeah. That that's that, like you can keep rhythm up by twenty minutes here, half an hour here and there. If you get two goals up, if he's good enough to just slot in, we don't know. That's the problem. That's why I find him as one of the most interesting. Him and Harvey Elliott for me are probably the oh, two most interesting. Players. Well, the Shimmer stuff wait. is almost in some regard. It's it's quite a it's like a dull answer, but it's not because you're right. And these are the these are the diving deeper things on these because. <laughs> he is effectively a noob, a noob signing because <gasps> no, 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 no. But, he, but <laughs> right he, you know, but you know what? But you, to, to the point of Chris made, except he's one that's already that's already integrated. He's got mates in the squads. Mm. He understands it. He's had time to acclimatise and all that kind of stuff. So if he can't thrive in these kind of situations, then well, again, we'll have a we'll have a clearer idea. Uh, so thank you to Michael Pele who sent a super sticker in. It was a good sticker. It's a I good liked it. sticker. I don't know what it was. It's like someone throw. Oh, it's like someone shoving forward a. Cup or something. Well done. Oh, definitely nice. doesn't definitely, translate definitely to definitely doesn't translate to it audio uh, podcast listeners. Oh, um, one of the two. One of the things that's interesting about this, it may be slightly offset by the fact that Mane and Salah are in the, the preseason squad, which never happens. And because we did like the all the, the cliches last week of what normally happens in preseason, and the one that I'd forgotten was how we get dead hyped up. But all the strikers are normally on international duty, so we're shit in front of goal for like five games, and everyone everyone's heads fall off because Liverpool can't win football matches. And then what normally happens is Salah and Firmino come back for like the last preseason game, and we batter someone. It was Leon a few seasons ago. We were all everyone was dead worried that they wouldn't be good, and then we we just they came on. They had like a fifteen minute cameo where they scored loads of goals and got off again. Um, that will be offset this season, I think, a little bit. But there is no Firmino, and Jota's is not going to be there as well. So, and obviously Harvey Elliott's there. But there's, I think there's a there's definitely a chance for someone here to get us a little bit more excited. I don't know whether it's going to be Taywo, Awani, <laughs> nailed it. Um, possibly, maybe, probably not. Um, <laughs> or maybe it's a, a K Gordon, it's another one of the kids or whatever. But I think there's there's a, there's a slot here, and maybe this goes back to the Pacheco thing. Yeah, for someone to get us quite excited. I mean, it probably is just Harvey Elliott, but you know, but you never know. Absolutely, mate. And I think Harvey Elliott. Saki Minamino, what am I doing? <laughs> totally forgot he existed. You, you're laughing, right? Why can't he play the false nine with uh, with Salah and Mane? Yeah. What a, and yeah. and a little run of games. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Because yeah, not yeah. good enough is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> He might be. We'll see. No, but it, actually, you know what? Scrap everything I just said there because he falls into the Shimmercast kind of kind of camp in this. I know he's been at the club a little bit, a bit of half a season longer, but with no Bobby around now, that's a great point. Uh, yeah. He's there. He's training. If we see him as an understudy to Bobby Firmino, then he'll play these games in, as a, as a nine for us. If we don't. Then he'll probably play from the left, and Manny might play through the middle, or we'll see Salah play through the middle. You know what I mean? And and things yeah. kind of moved around. It's going to be interesting. To look, you can't make unequivocal statements on what you see in preseason because the first, particularly those mini games to start, 
it's just about getting lads out on the pitch in mm-hmm. a, a relatively coherent fo- formation. But if you, I'd be interested to know whether Harvey Elliott's ahead of Minamino in the pe- in his pecking order, and we might find a little. I bit think more he will that. be because I think the pecking order goes by position, and I think Harvey Elliott's number two on the right wing at the moment. Yeah, but in the players in our squad, that probably maybe Mane, but I'd guess Harvey Elliott's there to put a, put a stake down. And his form as well. He was so good last year, wasn't he? Yeah, I think, and I think. For me, you know, you got Firmino and number two in the nines, probably Salah or Jota, something like that, and you move somebody else around. But that being said, Minamino, and I was kind kind of half joking before, he hasn't had that run with the two lads either side of him. And it's very rare you do. Mm-hmm. You know, you're never going to get that during a season when Firmino's available. He's going to play in the nine. You're not going to give him Firmino three or four halves of football with the two good lads. And he might not this pre-season and that, and you're right, that will tell us where we are. But if we can see Minamino putting some kind of performance together from the middle, then you don't need to sign him. You genuinely don't. And people might laugh at that because, look, we all think he, he wasn't good enough. He wasn't. But we also remember the player that we came up against who was fucking brilliant yeah. and he was playing full of confidence in the team that he knew how they played and he was part of it, a beating heartbeat from that side. If he can become something like that, we don't need to well, say I can only think of one really bad Minamino performance and it was the, I can't remember the team was, the Midgetland performance at Anfield and he was he was atrocious. But then again, Liverpool were utterly yeah. atrocious in that, in that game. By and large, he's always been okay. You know, he's always looked... Enough was the Palace the game like his that last one, one yeah. when he scored he yeah, scored he was he fantastic it really was and yeah. I think I mean I, I love the fact that we've got such a fantastic forward line I really do I do think um, you know maybe another addition would, would be fantastic to add to that depth but you know to, to what Chris said you know, Minamino's been out on loan he's had a bit more experience where he's played a, you know played a lot more games had a lot more minutes un, under his belt and it might be just a new lease of life for him. He's going to come back and be like, do you know what? I'm going to put put my marker down on this squad. But the Harvey Elliott situation just takes it a different direction because he was so good last year. And that kid's under so much pressure this yeah. year. Well, the thing is, Minamino's not so far down the line that it's like... Because what, what's the other cliche that happens in pre-season, which you not mentioned, is a player who's got no chance of establishing himself has a really good pre-season. Yeah. Like, so Ben Woodburn to score a couple of worldies and you go, whoa, 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 it's not even worth the effort. And I don't mean to be sly on Ben Woodburn because I, I think he's a very talented lad, but I, I, he, I, he's, a, he's a yard short of pace. He's... Two or three inches short of, of height, and again, the, the and you need to be magic if you don't have those uh, those things. Fearless pain, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, you, 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 you've lobbed the keeper at, at Anfield Road from the edge of the area. What are you on about? Yeah, you I smashed did. it, lad. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I don't remember. I was really, really hungover. But maybe I don't have video evidence of it. Yeah, it's not very good. Video. But the, the point is, like, a Rigi, if a Rigi turns up in this preseason, it's like. I get it yeah. for, for the for the added transfer value, great. But it is what we're looking for. And um, you know, if Minamino has a good preseason, it could actually, it could still mean there, there lads, he's going to have a good season. Right, off the there, are, there are lads in this squad who we know where the ceiling is. Minamino isn't one of them. Yeah, for me. Mm. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I know how good Divock Origi can be, and I don't think he's good enough. I don't know how good Minamino can be. That's yeah. that's the difference when you look at those two players. Yeah. It's true. It's the fear as well. You start seeing Origi getting more minutes and more games. You're thinking, oh my God, is Klopp actually thinking of using him more in, in different systems? And you, that's where the dread comes, doesn't it? Because you think, I think Divock's time's done now. Yeah. And we, you know, I think he's done for what he's done a year ago, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Yeah. Waiting yeah, on a, but, we're waiting on a bid. Now, there was a rumour about yeah. an £11 million bid for him, which we haven't had more on, but we'll be discussing on the Reds Transfer Roundup show tomorrow, uh, streaming on the redmentv.com. So if you want more discussion around the transfer stuff, get involved. Uh, we, we, we've skirted around the fixtures, may as well talk through them. Uh, Tuesday, July 20th, it all kicks off with two 30-minute mini-games. FC Wacherinsbruck at 5pm UK time, followed by VFB Stuttgart at 5.45. they Behind closed doors, but they will be televised. Um, is this the is this the sponsored podcast where we can say where we can say where that is, Chris? Or is that coming next week? Do we yeah, know? I don't know. <laughs> um, right, so let's leave. Let's leave it. If it's a sponsored, the sponsor will have been played on the podcast. So yeah, you'll know you'll know all about that. Uh, if it's not, let's not touch up on it because we're not getting paid to do that. Um, they could do that if they really wanted to. Um, I, have we joked about this before? They've got Liverpool going full YouTube football here, Chris. Yeah. I'm, I'm all in on this. I'm actually Love it. I'm weirdly excited by that. It's like two matches for the for the price of one. And it will be two separate teams, won't yeah. it? And I almost don't understand why they've put a 15-minute break in. Because yeah. they may as well just come off and put the other team maybe on. They, maybe they're wearing, they've only got like 11 shirts. But <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a new kit, man. So he might not, course, they're just yeah. getting up to speed. Yeah. Two match days for the He's price the of one. Game. It's like, like blood and a new pit crew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <that's> <laughs> I mean, listen, whenever Liverpool are a team, playing a team that you've never heard of, and for me that's Wacker Innsbruck, I'm expecting a big victory. Mm. But it's also the first preseason game, and it's only thirty minutes long. Yeah. So only four 0 to Liverpool. Just the four. But if we get beat, it's going to be like. <sighs> is it a pub team? No, no. Did it I've... start life as a pub team? I have no idea. I mean, someone you... Google it. Let yeah, us know. And we've literally got machines that can do that in front of us, but we're not going to. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard the Wacken as well. Couldn't tell you where they're from. Are they Austrian? I don't know. Who cares? Um, this next game is against Mainz, Klopp's former team, of course, at the Greisbergers Betten Arena in Grudik, uh, with a three and a half thousand capacity, which oh, is good to there. see. Yeah. He says it with confidence. He, he could did. be completely wrong. Confident where you did that, but he then. sounds right. Yeah. It's something he's been very good at for years. I've just made that up. I've not even see? made that. Oh, he's just said it with confidence. <laughs> um, and then Hertha Berlin um, at the Tivoli Stadium in Innsbruck. So clearly Innsbruck is we're pulling in all the Innsbruck teams at this point. Um, yeah, that'll have a 15,000 capacity, which is pretty cool. That's on the 29th. Yeah, the, the Friday before is the is the Mainz game, which is cool. Um, sounds, they're, they're a bit more what we're, what we're kind of used to. Now, there's rumours that there'll be one more away and maybe two at, to come at Anfield. Um, but I'm just, just a top line on this, Jay. I'm, I'm just... Glad they've done this because it was great seeing the lads come back. It was um, uh, seeing like uh, the Liverpool social media team putting a picture of Mo Salah out basically during the Euro. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, like, oh yeah. So like the second that was finished, I instantly had pre-season photos to look yeah. at and was I'm, I am like I, I was saying I'm quite ready for it all. And now that we know the teams, it's something to get excited yeah, about. It's, it's it's back, but not back in such a big way that we have to stress about it. Not that people won't stress about it because they will, because people love to stress about anything. But it is, it makes it real. It makes it exciting. It does like seeing it. It makes it real. You know, seeing the lads get on the plane and the new training kit and stuff like that. You're like, yeah, now's the time. But it is exciting and nothing screams 2021 football than two 30 minute games, doesn't it? That is Definitely the new generation of footy, that. But yeah, it's great. The fixtures are out. I think I like the way they're building up as well in terms of level of opponent as well. It's very clever the way they're doing that as well. So yeah, just excited to see. You know, it's always the way, isn't it? You want to see the new kit on the pitch. You want to see the new signings. And, you know, let's. I just don't want anyone to get too het up about what happens in these games. They That's will. my fear. They will. And I've said this for a long time. The problem we've had for years with this, Chris, because we used to go back in the day before seeing you them, get... Them, it's yeah. seeing them is a yeah. problem. Yeah. Before the, before the, the rise of the internet, you'd find a pub that had a, a dodgy yeah. satellite and you'd have to beg the landlord to try and search through all the channels to find it. And you'd find it and you're like, yeah. And we were just going the five ways and watching it on a tiny like 12-inch telly up above the bar. 
20 minutes in, you're just having a chat and talking. You know, you're not mm. really, you're not really watching the game because you realise they don't, they don't really matter. But I've said now because people, there are people who consume these games in exactly the same way as they consume normal football matches. Yeah, it's hard not to. It's hard to disassociate the fact that it's not a competitive game, that these lads have done double sessions beforehand, so they're not sharp and you're not seeing what you expect. So pre-season is inevitably about trying to find glimpses of good stuff, but never something you you should never be asked to get too angry. And and this is where that 30-minute game comes in for me. I think it's really clever, and I wonder whether Liverpool are going to keep that moving forwards because we know about the double sessions that go into games, and we know... I think that at this stage of pre-season, they probably want 30 minutes is probably where they're at. They don't, they, you know, they play the 45, but the energy levels drop after 30 anyway. And then the second team comes in and it's even shitter quite often because you play, you've started at fucking 2-0 or 1-0 or something, whereas you're giving the second team a reason to go out. It's a new game against a new team and you get to stamp your authority on it. So I'd always imagine it'd be much harder to come in when you're the, the 11 lads who come on for the second half when the game could be over already yeah. it's about mm. fitness and we're telling you it's about fitness by saying the first half doesn't matter it's not even the same team anymore yeah. go out there and do what you need to do for 30 minutes and do the best for your body only yeah. and nothing else matters yeah. I'd be interested to know whether how they approach it whether they go they split the talent so Mane starts one and Salah yeah. starts the other the other game as it were or do you have a as close to your strong team and then you put a team of complete kids out for another one or, by, or vice versa looking at the two sides Stuttgart are a better side than the others I'm going to find out where that wacker, about Wacker Innsbruck they're from Austria, they're an Austria, Austrian association football club from Innsbruck the club was formed in June 2002 as FC Wacker Tyrol second division Austrian Etzal team Etzal Ulhassan googled it but didn't tell me the league thank you second uh, division Austrian team cool, cool. so you're right so yeah you're so what's the point of playing Salah and Mane against them yeah, no, it, it's it's true. And when you you can look at um, let's look at the NHL for an example. They have the full squad out for every game, and they have different lines. You know, you have your strongest line to start start the, the game, and then you put your second line on that. I didn't think it get worse than Chris talking about NFL on this fucking podcast, but you've done it, Jay. Carry on. Sound. Sorry, crack on now. But yeah, do you know what I'm saying? You could yeah, start yeah. one 30 minute game with your first choice, and then you mix it up a little bit and see what that line can do. Do you know what I mean? There's a chance Sorry. as well Sorry. there'll be subs within. The th- no, no, I'm only best. There's a chance that there'll be changes within those 30 minutes as well. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's not like it will necessarily be because there's 30 odd lads who've got on the on it as well. Yeah. Whether it depends how many of them they want they want to use. There's a lot of a lot of um, a lot of players to try and get up to speed if you want to. But no, it's exciting, very exciting stuff indeed. And we will be doing watch alongs for preseason. So if you're wondering what we're going to be doing, we will be here. We will be hoping hopefully it will be a little bit of combination <laughs> Sorry, between Igzalo says, what the fuck is an NHL? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry it's a, mate. It's the it's a hospital delivery service, yeah. I think. Um the um <laughs> Sorry mate. Yeah, it's <laughs> what a great oh, comment. Once again, thanks very much to Michael Pillay who keeps sending us cups of coffee, which is great. Good, oh, on thank you, you so us. much. Thank you so much. They're amazing. Uh, if anyone got any questions for us, they want to get in, please do. We'll get a couple of them at the end of the pod. But um, yes, yes, we'll be doing watch alongs. There'll be a sort of a combination between the podcast and the watch alongs we were doing last season as we try a little a couple of new things out for the preseason ahead of the new campaign. So do join us. Uh, I have no idea when they are on Tuesday the twentieth. Yeah, for the two mini games will be from just before five. 5pm on Tuesday, um, 5pm on Friday the 23rd, and then 7pm on Thursday the 29th. So yeah, make sure you subscribe to the channel and we hope to see you there. Um, lastly, before we wrap up, Chris, and we, we had a brief chat about this, and we were talking about this in, in, in the office yesterday about how, obviously, you've had the fallout from the, the Euros. And there's, look, there's plenty of people, and I don't want this to be about England per se. My, 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 there's lots of people who are happy that England didn't win. Um, and there are a lot of people who are unhappy that England didn't win, and that's fine. People can have their reasons behind it. The thing that's most and uh, that's worst about it all is that there's this notion that racists win regardless. So if 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 England win, then racists get to be happy, and if England lose, then racists get to be overtly racist and find people to target and abuse. Um, and that's the big, the biggest fallout of all this for me is that the, is the worst thing. It was, it was just you, because we know what social media is like and we know what the world's like. It's horrendous that you're watching, you're watching the those lads taking the penalty. You're watching, you're watching your Sterling's and your Sancho's and your Sackers and go, and you're thinking, 
this is just a, it's inevitable and it's and it's horrible to me that you see Marcus Rashford's um, neural being graffitied in Manchester abuse being sent. It's it's just horrendous. We got to see all of the all of the. If you if you hating most of the people reason people hate England is because of the people who associate themselves with England and there was never more. Prevalent cases of that in the build to that game, and after if you ever looking for clear evidence of why people might be turned off by the whole England thing, then it's the people who've had free reign over the I last couple sick, of days. Sick yesterday reading all that stuff. It's the first time I've been on Twitter for about a week or so, um, and it was just I had people texting me and showing me pictures of some of the stuff, and I couldn't believe it to be honest with you. And yet I. And yet I remember sitting here probably four weeks ago going, don't know why I, I don't really like England because I support all the other English teams and all that type of stuff. And then it was brought home after the final, mm-hmm. exactly why. Because that George Cross means something different when I look at it. It means all the stuff that we saw yesterday. It means that horrendous racism and, you know, this just like... A, a, just a big gang of gammons. That's what. That's what. It, well, that's what I see when I see that George's Cross, and you shouldn't because ultimately I am English. Like I'm from Liverpool. I am English. Like I was born in England, and I have no association with the country or those people. And I feel sorry for the genuine England fans as well yeah, because yeah. I've been there. I've been a, a Liverpool fan that goes to the game that's been t- tainted with a brush by people from all around the country. And I know so many lads who are genuine England fans who that that is just as disgusting too yeah. as everybody else. But the minority, and it's not a small minority either, by the way. And I'm fed up with people saying, you know, ninety nine point nine percent, it didn't seem like that. Like, you know what I mean? It really didn't. And there's things, there's people there that will have gone down to the ground before the game and broke in. Like, what a horrendously organised final. Do you remember going to Baal? With, and there was an exclusion zone a mile outside before the Europa League final where you couldn't get into if you didn't have a ticket. They were getting to the turnstiles and there's lads from all over the country who've just decided to descend on that yeah. and they've drank all day long and then they've just been in a fucking terrible, terrible state I've by been, the end yeah, of it. I've been yeah. to three European finals in the last six years and every single one of them, you get, you've got to get through checkpoints to get even remotely near the stadium. Now, of course, Wembley's not set up like that. They want people in the pubs and bars around that because it's part of the economy of, of, of Wembley of course and it's meant to be part of the experience I, I, I want I, we have to be careful because I, I know what you're saying with that point it's it's that the problem with England is that all the mega knobheads from every every football team in the country all gang together to form one massive gang of super ultra knobheads and that's the problem so you've got a, you've got more people and all the bandwagon jumpers and all the people who aren't asked are just looking to just to, to blow off steam and get ludicrously out of control and all that. The problem is where we have to be careful is is in the is is in that perception because you're right. There's a ton of people who've gone there who just went there and had a good experience, a relatively good experience football yeah. notwithstanding. Who went and it was a once in a lifetime thing and they support the team and they love the football. I mean, I think about like think about the Liverpool Man City coach greeting from an outside looking in. I wasn't there. I, sorry, I was there, but people who weren't there were going. They heard reports on the the bottle being thrown, so everyone there was tarred with this. Liverpool fans have, have attacked the Man City bus. Yeah. That wasn't my experience of it. I got I, mine was nothing but one of the most positive experiences. The thing I'd experienced in my life leading up to that. The fella who chucks the guy in the fountain in Barcelona, and it's Liverpool fans. This. Yeah. So we do have to be careful. But to your point. Chris, which is where I think you spot on, is that the volume of people there, and again, people charging barricades and all that kind of stuff, it went too far. There's loads of them stories. You speak to you speak to anyone who worked on the turnstiles of the Millennium Stadium. I was speaking to someone, and she's got a very low opinion of Liverpool fans because she happened to work a Liverpool turnstile in the early 2000s when we were there a lot, and she was getting all kinds of, of stuff, you know, you know, bad experiences because of people who were committed to bunking in. And they've got no choice at that point because they've made that decision. But that was happening on mass at the weekend, and that's the thing. It, it's 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 just it's a it's a it's a fucking crying shame because we do ourselves as a country no favors. Yeah. That's we're left to self police, which is the problem with football. And everyone goes, "E look at football." Football's really, football's really bad. Football's really terrible. And this is not to excuse this behaviour, by the way, but it leads into the racism thing. The the final should have been better policed, and post this. It's drawn to attention. I know you've shared the, the this petition for people to sign up. You know to need photo ID to sign up to social media platforms. Post this. 
this is social media. Uh, social media platforms need to get a grip on this. People shouldn't have to. We shouldn't have to self police. We shouldn't have to to to, to let lead, lead to these like th- people putting putting together threads of people of, and, and, yeah. and 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 tagging their work in and all that kind of stuff. It should be it should be an automated process. There should it should be someone should be getting paid to do this stuff. Mm. It just it's highlighted what a shit show the whole situation is. It is, and it's a very thin version of the purge. Yeah. I feel that's that's where we're at right now, and it's it's absolutely frightening. And you said there about self policing. You know, we've all seen the videos of inside the ground where people were, you know, fans who had tickets were stopping other fans from coming in because obviously they were really really overwhelmed, and that shouldn't be happening. And it's just so disappointing. We should be celebrating a, f- a football team that's got to a major final for the first time in 55 years, and unfortunately we're not. You know, we, we make no things about supporting England massively. I'm like with Chris, I've got lots of friends who were so behind this tournament, and I was towards the end where I was thinking, do you know what? I wasn't jumping on the bandwagon. It was a case of, well, do you know what? This is really good for our country, mm-hmm. especially what's been going on over the last, you know, best part of two years now. It's it's It was so upsetting to see, and, you know, I would have loved England to win it, of course I would have. But it's just, we're still talking about negativity after a tournament, which should have been hugely positive. Like when Euro 96 was so positive, even though we got through to the semis and we didn't win it, it was still so positive after it. You know what I mean? Everyone loved that tournament. Yeah. And people still love it to this day. And it's just it's just a crying shame. But you it's, are right, something needs to be done. It's mad to me that the game could have gone on at 8 o'clock at night. Yeah, yeah that was When weird, Liverpool, it? Man United or Liverpool, Everton is put on at 12.45 for all the reasons that, that we saw. Yeah. Really good point. Uh, uh, in the European final, yeah, <laughs> just no, no, just ridiculous. No, I'm not saying true, but but again, because you, you are again, you are right. But again, I go go back to that fan park in Basel, and there was that one fella who was so blind drunk he was having beer pull. There's no way he went, he went the match. There's just no way he went to the match. There's no way he was in a condition. So you get that. But again. It's about because again, it becomes about this idea that football fans can't be trusted, and there's obviously a certain degree of certain people who obviously can't. But again, it boils down to the fucking police. You shouldn't be allowed. It should just be fucking blindingly obvious. You sh- if you didn't have a ticket, you should have been. You shouldn't have been able to get within spitting distance of, of Wembley. So even if you mm-hmm. get a situation where you're going to tear down a barricade, well, there's a bunch of riot fans there. You just run. You're just running towards lockup. Yeah. And that clearly there was clearly not enough being done there, and then they're leaving it on a bunch of like minimum wage paid. Part-time zero-hour contracted stewards. Yeah, and my father-in-law does that at Goodison Park. He's just an old fella who just goes because he goes. To, he gets to watch. He gets to watch some games of footy and gets a few quid in his pocket to yeah. boost his pension or whatever. Like, not because he wants to be a. He want, doesn't want to be more cop. Yeah. You know what I mean? Doesn't want to be. You know, John McLean saving the day inside of, inside a situation. It's it's a it's a it's a fucking disgrace. And again, it, the things that we've seen afterwards. You dead right, Jay. It's just. Because again, the game was finished and it was late, and I, I, I enjoyed it. My kids stayed up. We actually had a fucking good experience. My kids, first time I've actually been able to share a football experience with it's my children, then be yeah. into it, which was which is which was lovely. Um, but as soon as the game was over, I was done with it. Mm. But I'm not done with it because I now can't go near social media for the days after because it's yeah. so upsetting and it's so depressing. Because as you say, Chris, it's just horrible. Because you see, I'm seeing nice outpouring support, and that's great. And we should, it should just be that. It should just be wall to wall, well and lads, you gave it your all. But instead, the people who would, a lot of the people who would normally be spreading positivity are having to divert their energies towards having to castigate and having to, 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 to track down and hunt down knobheads. And that's why, again, I just put to Ben Kelly, who's had a great time watching this tournament, but he's done. It's, it's ruined the whole yeah. experience for him. And it goes back to the point I don't want knobheads to have nice things. But why do we have to be in a world where nice people can't have nice things because of knobheads? It's a good point, mate. And, and, and this is the thing. I, you know, I shared that um, petition, didn't I, about the social media thing? Because it's something that's affected me. It's something that affects all of us who, who do these types of things where you just get abuse online from these accounts. Now, I've got to a point where I know how to deal with it now. And it took a long time to get there. Yeah. Um, and I, I had my eyes opened actually by someone on Twitter that said, look, you know, it's an outlet for some people. Let's say you're not out to your parents mm. or something like that. And you've built up a community of people and you don't want to have to sort of put your name to that account. I understand all that and I really respect that side of things. But for me, the the, the Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of these social media platforms need to do more. They need to do they need to do more first and foremost. But if they could give me the option of just like instead of going private. Seeing verified people or not. 
I'd do that. Because mm. yeah. why yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah. Because yeah. I, I can go, anyone can see my tweets if they're verified. I would tick that box tomorrow. Yeah, because yeah. I'd And I feel a lot of people would be with me there. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that everyone who has a social media has to verify themselves. But if every platform just said, I'll tick a box and only people can see my yeah. tweet or talk to me who are verified, what a nicer place that would be. The problem with doing this after the fact of anything is that it's going to cut off people. And the problem is, of course, is we now live in a world where everyone's got, you've got everyone's a, you've got got a, a voice. Solve, you've got to solve the biggest problem. Yeah. And the biggest problem is abuse on online yeah. so you, you you can't solve every problem with one thing you just mm. can't in, in any walk of life that doesn't exist so solve the fucking biggest one and then when that's sorted solve the next one yeah. and the next one and yeah. the next one and see where you are yeah. the biggest problem with social media is abuse online yeah. by far and away yeah and let's be honest you know the comes but we start with the big boys that doesn't mean that people who to your example there's nothing to stop forums and there's nothing to stop small and independent things cropping up and take you know and taking those being those places for for people to be able to maintain anonymity and have private conversations but again there's a degree of gating to all those things where it's just keep it you want to keep knobheads out and it's actually easy to do that in smaller in in, in some smaller groups because they can be managed by odd by individuals yeah. or small communities but no I, I i agree on this and the, it's the problem with all of this it's like everything it's it goes back to that thing of the the good, good, hardworking people are always getting punished because instead of finding sensible ways to approach things, things just get made more expensive or things get made harder. People are told to self-police. Let's use alcohol as an example of this. We can say, well, everyone got absolutely fucking bladdered and fucking and all the people who were bladdered ruined that. Well, let's ban alcohol. Well, hang on. What about the people who, who, yeah, who just have a, exactly? What about the people who just want a casual <laughs> yeah. drink and don't get blind drunk and don't cause problems? What about them? And that's that's the kind of mad situation we're ending in now. Where we're going to end up with no fans being allowed at football matches because of these kind of situations? Because that's what they'll do. They'll, because people will look at those pictures and remember that that will be their take homes. It won't be the video of Jack Grealish sharing a shirt with the kids after after full time. Yeah. He had his had his life made. Mm. The little girl getting a shirt off Mason Mason Mount yeah. and that look on her face of just they're all the brilliant things that came with this. You know that 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 story that Jordan Henderson shared about the the lad who was openly gay who came out went to a game in makeup and had no yeah, problems yeah, first yeah, time superb, ever. Yeah. And they get there's so many great stories that came out of the Euros and it this shouldn't be the central focus. But it also again it's it's because again it's on us we should be able, people should be happy people should be able to revel in what, what the positives that came from that tournament yeah. instead of getting lost in this archaic like someone did something bad so they're the worst like they're a bad guy the people are you know what I mean yeah, this is a well classic example um, Purple in the comments says abuse online is not a problem just delete Twitter it's full of idiots no why should you have to delete it when you're being abused by somebody else yeah. why should you have to do anything they should be the one who's not allowed to do use no, it no. it's that simple it's a complete that is looking at it the complete wrong way no exactly it's like you know you go to a, you go to a bar and that bar gets taken gets taken over by knobheads. Why should you have to go move to another local? No, the black bar should be better run. There should be a better. There should be better. You know, more stringent on how, how how people do and don't get in. Now the problem is, and oh my God, this is heavy for a Liverpool podcast on a fucking Tuesday morning, by the way. But of course, we're now in that ultra woke. You know, lefties have got to find. And I'm, I'm considering myself broadly left leaning, but everything is fascism <laughs> everything is fascism so you end up in a world where if you were to a world where you're excluding excluding fascists is is now being held up as a fascist act which is mad and this is why everything's a fucking mire but you could start with just making sure that life is a little bit easier for good people yeah and a little bit harder for not good people now I know that's difficult but that shouldn't be on us to deal with that we've all got our own hard lives to to to, to you know to learn my biggest my biggest thing about this and we had this we were having this conversation in the office yesterday I'm it is it's those good people I feel dead sorry for and it's the fact that like again all these people who support England got would have you know who are now upset because their team didn't win would have had something to celebrate and we don't want to create that world. But I just think about the positive, that what, what we've lost there is a real chance of positivity and unity that was missed out on. I think it's being overlooked in a little bit of tribalism and we, I hate England or, or, you know, either England good or England bad, is that imagine if someone like Saka had scored the winning penalty and we've we've lost that chance. Yeah. And, we, we, and we can claw it back in a this wave outpouring of support 
but it's loads more hard work to be able to hold up positive role models. We're having to do it in the face of negativity as opposed to just being a pure positive thing. And loads of maybe people who are, who are on the verge of being radicalised and being taken down a path of younger generation who don't know, but they're being influenced by older people or people that they hold in high, high regard are missing a chance because now all of a sudden those people who, who like the parents and the grandparents who are spewing bile in their faces and, and, and infecting them with stuff I've now got these holding these lads up as something as a figure of hate instead of them going oh but I but I really want to. I really want to love this guy because he's just scored the penalty that's won yeah. me a game of football. It gave I, me all I, that joy. I, I wish. I wish you were right, and I, I wish that would be what would happen. But it would just be a house built on sand. It yeah. would just be waiting for the next time, and but that's it, that, that's the problem. So at least we've seen these societal issues more openly than we've seen in a long time. So at least you get a chance at fixing it yeah. rather than kicking it down yeah, the curb. In a utopian society, that would happen. Yeah. Oh, it's got it to happen. It's, but the thing is, it's got to happen. We, the good people need a win at some point. True. Like, I agree. They need, in this country, it's been going down the fucking pan for too long and it goes all the way back to Brexit and, and, and beyond. Mm. Like, we the people need something just to because again we talk about this like the comments are saying like oh it's been a hard eighteen months it's been a hard eighteen months for everyone on the planet but it feels and you know why 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 can't why can't this country get get to have something nice for a change wouldn't it be nice if something just went went our way yeah for for a while where you've got you get to just focus on the positives and you don't have to and I'm not saying this is not about fixing wider issues. Sometimes it's not, sometimes it's good to just lead by example. Sometimes it's good to have it here you go, here's good people doing good things and show that rather than everything just be fucking horrible. Well, that's it. How can you go oh, sorry, Chris, how can you have a go at Marcus Rashford given what he's just done for no, the country? Exactly. I just don't get it. And because it, you're a racist. That's why well, so, no you and people <laughs> people who are hiding behind a false name on Twitter and a false photograph because they know they can get away with it. Now, when it comes to the petition thing, I know there's a bit of a divide on it in terms of it is a very good thing, but then, like you said before, I'm absolutely spot on, Chris. People who are not comfortable to be out and all that sort of that's absolutely fine. They have that right to be private. But, I mean, if there's something you could do behind the scenes where it, you give your ID, but you can still stay like that, yeah. because eventually the people who do give their ID behind the scenes and are still hiding and giving abuse, eventually they'll get found out. Yeah. So that could be where, I mean, it'll take a lot longer doing it that way, but the good people will be protected. Well, if you want to, yeah, you know, if you want, yeah, it's just, it is what it is. It's tough because, again, it all sounds like a 1984-style world when it you does. start asking for people's things. And it is, it is, a, it is, a, it is a, you know, there are risks associated with it, but also, again, it's where technology moves faster than society and we're trying to put the fucking... We're trying to put it back in the box when it's when it's it's already out there. And that's didn't, a much I'm sure to do. the people who invented these things didn't expect this to be from. No, it. absolutely they, not. You know, and and that's that's everyone makes mistakes. Even the people who invent all these mad things. One of the things that and, and I I find myself very much in this camp. Like, I was a bit surprised that Henderson kept the silver medal on. I but all the other players threw it, threw it off and. For me as a Liverpool fan, I don't celebrate finishing second in a competition. Phillips did as well, didn't he? But, but mm. I, I actually felt for the first time, I thought about it after the final and I thought about the Olympics and I thought about what a bronze medal means to somebody yeah. in the Olympic Games yeah. or a silver medal. And I just wonder if that's a really small part of the problem yeah. is that Entitlement. It's fucking people think it's shit yeah. finishing second. It's literally the best they've ever done in well, Euros. I, I felt like saying ever. That's the that game was bigger than people go. It's the biggest game for fifty five years. Nonsense. Football is much bigger than it was in the sixties by yeah. fucking miles. That game, even though it's a lesser tournament, was a much bigger, much more important, and all that kind of thing. Game to you to your Olympic medals thing. You know, you're maybe going in a in a what in a even if it's just in the finals against what like hundred meter sprint against what six other people seven. seven other people you know in the order there's 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 26 members of 22 other squads you'd all be made up with something yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean yeah, out of that tournament yeah. England getting to the final I know it's like we, we've got this because we're born on this like first is everywhere second is nowhere but when you never get to finals getting to finals actually a, and again the experience of it all mm. I got loads more out of going to that Europa League final and going to that Champions League final in Kiev than, I, than you meant to 
because it was the experience, it was the ride, yeah. it was the journey. I, you can't take all the other bits bits away from me. I was buzzing that I got to go to a Champions League final. I was well more buzzing than I went when I went here later and we fucking won it, don't get me wrong. But didn't but, it make it 10 times sweeter? Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. But also, again, I don't go, oh, well, fuck, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think about Kiev anymore. I think about Kiev all the time. I think about the games that we played on, on, on the way. And I, mm. again, it's, it's, it shows Jordan Henderson again. It's a level of maturity and it's not like you get, doing well, it because it's cool. It's like the Olympics. It's every four years. You get about three, maybe four attempts at winning one of these mm. or, or doing well yeah. in one of these tournaments. They don't come around all the time. Like, you know, it, it should probably be thought of in a slightly different way. And I wonder whether if it was thought of in a different way, would you have those scenes afterwards? Because if second's good and not bad, would you have abuse afterwards? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Calvin Phillips was good as well, wasn't he? He kept on and gave it a little kiss. Now, is he kissing it like, you know, I really appreciate how I've got to this level so quickly in my career. You know, this is a kiss for luck to see what happens next year with Leeds or what, you know, it's... I, I, I looked at I, loads of those players and thought, that might be the only thing that he's win. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Genuinely, like Pickford. Yeah. It might genuinely be the only thing he ever wins. Yeah. Yeah. He stays at Evan. Closest thing. Yeah, I don't know, but... <laughs> I, know, but, but shy, I bet, yeah, he? I bet, yeah. Couldn't he was go a full podcast without I, getting a dig in on I bet yeah, he was dead proud. Yeah, but felt be. the need to take it off because of peer pressure. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, people overthink these things, don't yeah. they? And you're right, it's stupid. Like that. But again, it goes back to the Jordan Henderson point as he's at that stage of his career. Gerard never quite got to that. I always think about this, about he never got to the point where he was confident to just be fully be himself and, and swing yeah. his personality around. You see it now as Rangers manager, he's all over it. He's, he's amazing for it. Yeah. Jordan Henderson doesn't have that. Henderson is Jordan Henderson. And I like the fact that he he's not asked. He wouldn't be thinking about what people think about that. And I'm sure the people go, well, I don't, why is it, what's he doing with the second place medal? It, it helps. And positive, this goes back to the point, positive role models is more we, what we need. We need more people to go. Like Jürgen Klopp's been here for Liverpool. Our, our family at times was just a bit embarrassing. You know, how we behaved in the cop and uh, at Anfield at times, just a bit like, you know, too, we're, we're a city that's often too cool to clap. But when a fella comes round and, and he's like that, and every given moment, it's like, oh, yeah, go ahead, it's quite good fun, this, isn't it? You need people to demonstrate positive behaviour, to demonstrate that you're allowed to have fun, that you're allowed to, you're allowed to enjoy the small moments in life. Not everything has to be absolutely, yeah. it's not all or nothing. Yeah. Um, on the subject of which... Arsenal, by the way, the new the new All or Nothing no series. Way. Oh yeah, it's, oh, next. it's coming that. out like is it autumn twenty twenty two or something that's gonna like that be, before the next season? That's gonna be unreal. Um, <laughs> just before we wrap up, Scott. Hawks Wait, there, who's their manager? Who cares? <laughs> Won't be in by the time it's over. Um, Scott Hawks, $25 super chat. Thank you so much, Scott. I consider myself a genuine England fan, but years of being surrounded by no surrender, knuckle draggers just made it embarrassing to the point of falling out of love with the whole thing. I think most people feel like that, to be honest, particularly yeah. in Liverpool. Um, what I found was quite funny, uh, you know, um, people talk about how many fireworks got set off at full time in the city of Liverpool. People, no, but people go, but what I find really funny, we'll never know the true answer to this, as people saw that as a sign of like, people had these fireworks ready to go for when England lost whereas and that's a great story that fits into the we ate England stuff but in reality they'd have set those fireworks off if England won <laughs> because you don't buy fireworks to not set them off well yeah exactly <laughs> no yeah. fireworks for those kids they've won oh, yeah, yeah but dad they've won, won. No. pouring a bucket of fucking water over the box of fireworks yeah funny 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 uh, thank you so much everyone who's joined us for the podcast um, yeah but more, far, far more fun and serious at the same time than I probably expected from our first of pre-season but there you go uh, as mentioned we'll be back for those pre-season games doing watch-alongs uh, we've also got some incredible content for you guys to keep you entertained in the meantime streaming on our Liverpool streaming service the RedmenTV.com uh, full interviews with uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold Jürgen Klopp and of course the three part docuseries Jordan Henderson 10 Years of Red which is the best thing that any fan media has ever produced if you don't believe it just check it out honestly you won't regret it um, but yeah we got a little bit from the Trent Alexander-Arnold thing coming up for you guys in a second and also don't forget if you want more transfer insight um, I sat down with Neil Jones from Goal.com last week to talk about who Liverpool are likely to move on this summer really interesting chat but yeah check it out have a little explore and let us know you get on in the comments and we'll be back with another Redmen podcast next week <laughs>